Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where I talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about the 2014 film Gone Girl. This will contain spoilers. So, uh, there'll be heavy spoilers from the get-go in this episode, so you you have been warned. Um, So the film follows Nick Dunn, whose wife has apparently gone missing, and obviously the police first want to start suspecting him, you always suspect the spouse, but you find out an hour in that actually she disappeared herself and tried to frame Nick uh, for the murder of herself. But then, for reasons I guess we'll end up discussing later, she kind of changes her mind um, and s- pretends that this other guy kidnapped her who was like a high school um, boyfriend. Yeah, Sim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she then kills him which she then says is self-defense, it goes back to Nick and then kind of forces him to live out their lives with her. So that's basically the plot. Yeah. It is. Isn't it the plot? <laughs> the plot is there's a girl and she's gone, but then she isn't gone. <laughs> she comes back. What, what I'm surprised is, like, <clears throat> talking about it now, like, it sounds fairly simple, I guess, for two and a half hours, but there's so many things along the way to keep you interested. I think yeah. the pacing of this film was probably perfect, maybe. Mm. Do I want to say yeah. perfect? That's never, a scary thing to say. <laughs> it never felt like it was dragging at all, despite the fact that it was two and a half hours. Um, yeah. I feel like, as you're saying, they handed, handled the pacing very well with what isn't... is potentially... Well, I'd say the, the whole thing about her going missing and a lot of the bits at the start wasn't that particularly complicated but i like the fact that they had that big twist very early on in the story um well when you say very early on it's it's an hour in which means the first hour didn't seem to drag them yeah which that's what i was going to say is that it actually flies by because it does it really well of where the film obviously sets up that nick is probably a bit twisted because the first line is about him like wanting to bash his wife's skull in (laughs) Fashion Amy's skull and see her thoughts and what she's thinking, um, which you then find out at the end why. <laughs> but you know, that kind of sets him up as he seems to be this murderer, and you get small glimpses, you know, where he smiles at the thing where they say that she's missing and uh, he doesn't seem that upset about it. And then you find out that he was uh, cheating on her for over a year, and it kind of builds up where you're like okay so has when, when are we going to find out that he killed or he's keeping her in some secret location but then boom she did it herself and you're like whoa <laughs> yeah cool. i love i love the performance of ben affleck i think he did a really great great job of kind of embodying that well he kind of was shown to be quite apathetic and not really showing that much remorse for you know you could make the argument that he was quite shocked and panicking almost but you know he always had that uh he always knew that he'd had an affair obviously so you know he knows that he's not entirely innocent even though he's not complicit in it in terms of the actual disappearance whereas i like the idea that i think we'll probably come on to this but the presentation of the media in this was really interesting and the fact that yeah uh you know, he's constantly, well, especially when the lawyer comes in, he's trying to manipulate his image and, you know, he's constantly flitting between them respecting him and then the, he does something that causes a lot of outrage and then he says something and everyone's on his side again. So I think it was really 
quite an interesting, I guess, kind of satire on the the way that the media responds to something like this. Yeah, I I think Ben Affleck did a very good job at playing a sort of really multifaceted character. Like he, you didn't notice any like you didn't notice any shift in his performance throughout the film, but like um, just because of the rest of the story, he goes from someone who's hiding something he suspects has murdered his wife um, and then you learn about the, the girlfriend and you're like, okay, he murdered her but then uh, it's revealed what actually happened and he doesn't seem to shift his performance but like in the space of a few minutes he goes from someone you like, someone you you, you, you want to see face justice to um, sort of a relatable well, like, relate to, you can, like, relate to him and you, you feel bad for him. Like, even though he's not, like, a great person, he, um, you can really sympathise with the fact that, like, he has no control over what she's doing to him. And um, especially by the end, you feel, like, terrible for him because, you know, like, um, he's kind of trapped in this relationship um, and can't get out because of the, the, the baby. And yeah, yeah. Just like I think, it. it what it does to help kind of to help you understand his actions earlier in the film is I remember one line where he says like I was uh, quite relieved when I thought she was dead, where you know he kind of felt trapped in this relationship. So he obviously wanted to get out, but he was so financially dependent that he couldn't. So um, that kind of the utter desperation of wanting to leave is why he didn't seem too distraught. Yeah, I also think it's quite complex because um, you look back on the first hour of this film very differently because I think that this film had one of the best examples I've ever seen of kind of an unreliable narrator because basically... Yeah. Everything yeah. you see in the first act of the film is shown through, well, not obviously not everything, but the anything you really get to do with Amy is shown through these diary entries. And obviously you're very sympathetic towards her at the start because, you know, she, he's, she's presenting her husband as quite potentially abusive and uh, doesn't want a child. Uh, you know, she, she's setting up the some potential motives like the financial instability things like that but then you start to realize that oh no she's been setting this up deliberately for ages and these are all things that she has written in order to kind of um be used as evidence against him so it's quite difficult to analyze uh nick's character when just looking at the first part of the film because a lot of what you see probably isn't actually the truth because it's shown through Amy's diary entries that are designed to try and set him up. Yeah, yeah, and what I liked about it was that it wasn't exactly clear that it would be an unreliable narrator because it's not, you know, you see diary entries, but they're kind of accompanied with the scenes. Like, she's not narrating the scenes. It's more like she says her thoughts beforehand then you see the scenes so that meant that it was more of a shock and you know you kind of when when they nick ends up saying like you know i i would have never hurt her you're like oh that's kind of a surprise because you you can see you know it, it is a thing that people face where people end up scared of um their partners physically you know it's usually uh, women being scared of male partners or even men being scared of male partners just because, you know, physically more imposing. So that's it made sense for that to be what it set up, which then makes the twist even more surprising. So um, the story is written really well. Yeah. But at the same time, I think just because of the nature of the film, although Nick's character was you know, initially shown to be quite unlikable, especially at the 
uh, conferences and when you see uh, him with the, his girlfriend then you uh, you you know he's not particularly handling the situation very well but then again who would but i never really thought that he was guilty personally because i don't know i just feel like that would be quite a simplistic plot and it wouldn't really I was kind of thinking what is, I was expecting a twist. I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be that big and come that early on. But I thought, although, you know, he was presented as, you, you were meant to think that he was guilty, but I always had that doubt. Mm. Yeah. So are you saying like it was a surprising twist, but it wasn't like it didn't feel unearned? Yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you mean, but I guess I go into primal mode sometimes in watching films. I'm like, look, bad man, bad man is bad. <laughs> I just, I, I don't think I pay enough attention sometimes when I'm tired, so... Um... And you watch this on two times speed? So yeah. you had no problems with the pacing. Wow, an hour and 15 minutes. That's a short film, isn't it, Ben? <laughs> but, it, but it was weird. I, I watched it at two times speed, but it didn't feel like two times speed. So... <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I, this is a rather unique uh, like comment on the film, given most people watch it at their normal speed, but I wonder if it's... Because... Okay, when, you, when you're when you a two times speed veteran like me... <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> you, you kind of don't notice the speed of the movie so much as, like, the plot... Uh, the plot itself, so you can still tell when something drags because, um, because the there'll just be parts of the plot that um, you get a bit annoyed about, mm. as with a normal speed. Uh, but again, I just didn't feel like this dragged whatsoever. I thought the pacing was great. Um, maybe maybe I should watch it again at one time speed at some point. I I probably would want to watch this again. I like it. Yeah, just for that so. first hour, like the new perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for a two and a half hour film, it really nothing in the plot felt like it wasn't needed. Um, I feel. I feel I like. I feel the the only bit where that I felt perhaps could have been shortened a bit was when you saw Amy. Um, when she's like trying to move on with her life and sort of develop this new personality, uh, I think oh, some of yeah. that went on a bit too long. But I, I did like getting more of a perspective, uh, like her reaction and kind of revealing some more of her motives as it went along. Yeah, but that was only like five minutes or something. Um... Well, you you mean like the bit when she's she, she's Nancy? Yeah, Nancy. just that whole scene. She hits herself like... with a hammer. Yeah, I did well, like not just that I, specific I, scene. Just the whole time. She's <laughs> I away. did. I, I did like the bit where she got uh where she got her money stolen. But I don't know yeah. if that's because I like hated the character and I'm like justice, no matter <laughs> how small. It was kind of, I. I know what you mean, but I think it was necessary to kind of force her to go to Desi or is he called Desi? Neil Patrick Harris, yeah, Desi Sim. Collins. Uh, yeah, I, it was necessary. I just think if there's one bit that could have been cut, yeah, maybe, if you were trying to cut the film down mm. by five or ten minutes, maybe that bit would be the first to go. Yeah, maybe yeah. like I feel like you could have maybe done the same thing if you just like introduced the neighbor and then everything in between with like that that man like uh having an interest in her or something and like the, the scene by the pool and you could have got rid of that and just kept the introduction and like the 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 mugging and yeah maybe like Be something like that um, I feel like we've said a bit a lot about Nick's character, but why don't we start to actually discuss Amy? Ooh. So I was when it, when it you know showed that she disappeared. I was wondering if this was going to be an exploration into like who was more wrong in the relationship because obviously like Nick had uh, cheated on her, but you know is there a thing of 
that because of the way she treated him that it led to that but then she uh, murdered uh, then she murdered desi collings and i was like ah it's no she's just evil okay (laughs) but um that wasn't i didn't hate that because all it all it did was uh it just changed my mind on what the themes were where rather than about like who's to blame for a marriage falling apart it actually ended up uh, exploring like power dynamics within relationships and yeah how that can be intimidating and i thought that it was interesting that it kind of it flipped what the stereotypical well you know the more common uh gender roles are in that aspect but it f- made sense for amy's character because she seemed to be kind of doing it as a as a revenge thing because she talks about like all the women that change themselves in a relationship to fit um you know their their partners but she and then she says that she does she did that to herself when uh you know really it she was kind of forcing nick to change for her which was definitely more explicit at the end but you kind of see earlier on as well yeah you know with like the cool girl thing where he, like he's trying to cha- like trying to change in order to fit in i guess or like because mm. well originally i kind of liked um the bit with neil patrick harris because i feel like he was able to he wasn't shown to well i feel like he was kind of more subtly shown to be like predatory and kind of controlling yeah. and like yeah tier simping <laughs> but, uh, so you you kind of obviously uh amy is shown to be awful and you get to as the film goes on you get less and less respect for what she's doing but i did like the the way that he was presented because uh, yeah, it, it's kind of understandable, I guess, as a way, as a route to getting back to Nick. Yeah, it's like I like the fact that all of the characters in this movie um, don't seem to be one-dimensional. Um, they mm, yeah. all seem to have nuance. Um, I like, as you said, Neil Patch Simp Harris his character. <laughs> um, like it. At first glance, it just looks like he he cares about her and uh, it's been like simping for for years. But you you definitely get moments where I, th- I think it'll just be like I think this is partly to do with the direction and the acting, obviously. But um, like the the camera will just linger a bit too long and he'll be uh he'll like look at her in a slightly creepy way and he'll be like, "I'll never let you leave again." And you you, you know like. It was obviously awful that she like tried to manipulate him, but in a subtle way, I feel like the reason she um, murdered him and went back to Nick is because she didn't feel in control. Um, she yeah. she mm. she needs to be in control of her own life, which seems to be a her motivation. Yeah. It was a useful character as well to still present that like the kind of flaws that sometimes men can feel like they own their partner like yeah he kind of said about like oh you know you finally come back and you know i've been waiting for the day and doesn't really seem to care about if she wants to do anything and just keeps her in his house all day because uh you know i wasn't sure because the thing of like her faking uh being raped you know falsely accusing that guy i wasn't sure because i was you know it could have spark this discussion which doesn't really happen because that like that barely ever happens compared to the amount of times that uh you know actual victims get ignored so that that was kind of dodgy but i feel like i was okay with it because well one the author is a woman so it'd be kind of weird to <laughs> if if you're trying to hate women with this uh, i doubt that that was what was happening but I think it kind of flipped the power dynamic to try and get uh, men to think about how, if, you know, if they're forcing their partner to change in any way or if they have some kind of control because yeah, it might help build empathy. Yeah, because as you were saying, I feel like the way that 
they show the media is that they innately try and uh, set up uh, Nick as being a, a suspect. Um, yeah. And I guess that kind of goes along with those gender dynamics that you were talking about. But and I definitely wouldn't say that this is misogynistic in any sense. Or it's, um, you know, obviously it's only shown one uh, woman that is in, in no way trying to generalize or say that this is kind of a pervasive issue but it is um i think the fact that all the pow- the characters that it presents have got imperfections and like really major flaws especially with nick and then as we were saying a bit more subtly with desi uh, yeah. i think that although obviously amy is well i guess the villain of the film uh, there's not really any characters that are entirely innocent. I, I'd mm. say the only one that's maybe entirely innocent is the, you know, the other victim that uh, she accused of rape, who I just felt really oh, bad yeah. for, because that basically yeah. ruined his whole life. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think the, uh, the intention was to like make a gendered statement. Um, I think. I, I'm, this might just be the way I'm interpreting it. I think it might be more a sort of criticism of like how people are portrayed in the media and the sort of yeah, yeah. Um, group think that comes with that. And like the and I, I love the the difference in sort of process between uh, the lawyer um, Tanner Bolt and the the sort of media. So like he he's very traditional. He's like um, innocent until proven guilty. Um, he doesn't have any issue with taking on uh nick as a client um and like well while he finds the story kind of funny at the start he he does become invested and try and help him whereas the media um sort of they they paint him as the villain because it's easy it's sort of easier to do in that scenario like he um he was well most people like end up blaming the partner um if the if the if their partner goes missing or is assumed dead, um, most people end up blaming the partner, and uh, there was obviously like a load of evidence taken out of context. Like he he'll like um, take a photo with someone to say like thanks, and then that's used as oh he's flirting with other people, and um, and whilst there were definitely criticisms of him that were valid in the media, like the um, like the fact he was unfaithful and stuff, but when it when he goes on stage, uh, good and in, is interviewed by the uh, by the the woman, and it's like yeah, I'm imperfect. I'm a I'm a crap husband, but like I wouldn't kill my wife, and I I want to back. Uh, everyone just completely does a one eighty and goes from he's bad to he's good, which yeah. <laughs> neither of which are right and that i think the purpose of the film is to show that like everyone's a lot more nuanced than just like good or bad and the media's sort of uh going against that and portraying people in a sort of one-dimensional caricature kind of way yeah i I think um at different points in the film i had i came up with i think three different potential reasons that I thought uh, she was acting like this. The first was, as you were mentioning about the media, I originally thought maybe it's some sort of setup, which obviously it turns out to be, but maybe they're both involved. You know, you hear stories about people trying to get uh, like in the limelight somehow by doing things like <clears throat> this that, you know, has that shock factor and they think that somehow this will make them famous and they're uh yeah there's kind of that personal game which is you know there's arguments about you know that's meant is shown to be mostly immoral but then i was thinking well would she really like that because something that's shown earlier on is her parents are quite manipulative i guess they kind of um wrote stories as she was growing up uh with this kind of idealized version of her amazing amy and she always has that uh like annoyance and envy about the fact that they've been able to basically 
make loads of profit on something that's based on her but isn't really her uh so i i don't think that was really the case and then i was the second one as uh just is is nick actually evil and well not evil but like is she just purely vindictive and trying to get revenge on her husband for you know these things that is shown in the diary like the thing about the pregnancy and the thing about uh like the finances and stuff but then it turns out the real kind of reason or the the catalyst i guess that uh kind of makes her blip and uh decide to come back is when he's shown to uh be more genuine and basically she's saying that these things will kind of bring out the best in him and then she'll be able to trap him in the marriage so that when it is uh revealed that she is pregnant which you know is it isn't consensual she's using uh like a fertility test that he's done without his consent to become pregnant and the fact that she's oh, got so much sorry. media support <laughs> I, I hadn't figured out how she did it that makes sense well yeah. Ollie for being more on the ball than I'd be <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so I think it is a it was a weird motive but you know just the fact that she's meant to she's shown to be so evil and manipulative and she goes to those kind of extremes in order to do something like this i think it does is very fitting with the character mm. was the wait mm, no i i couldn't remember if i was going to say something else or if i wanted to move on to the music the what sorry the music i can't remember i thought i was going to say something about the plot but it's completely gone <laughs> We can come back to it if you if you remember it halfway through the uh, recommendation. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the music, music was great. time. Uh, I saw a thing which is quite interesting, where apparently David Fincher for the music brief, he um, sent the composers music from a spa he went to. Which was supposed to be um, calming, but he just found really creepy and unsettling. Oh, that's Which, interesting. When you hear that, that it makes sense because the music is kind of this ambient thing with like weird, you know, there's so, tiny bits of like dissonance or it just feels slightly unsettling. But it it was it was perfect for the tone because you know it's about it's about a marriage which is supposed to be this symbol of stability and love and protection but uh there's this huge like danger yeah of there's all this manipulation going on under the surface uh and that just kind of i felt the music perfectly replicated that he picked the right people for um unsettling music too it's uh trent reznor and atticus ross from nine inch nails Oh, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, that makes sense. I found, like, I I've definitely recognised some of the, like, I didn't actually look at who, because the, the opening titles were uh, at two times speed. But I, <laughs> no, I definitely recognised by, like, the, the dissonance and stuff. It's uh, reminiscent of, like, the Ghosts album. Um, and, yeah, they... They seem to work with David Fincher a lot. I had a look afterwards. Uh, they they also did the music for the Social Network, um, which is weird. I remember um, you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I I don't really remember the music, but to be fair, I did watch it this a week ago. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it. I think the purpose of the music here was less so to be like emotional cues, like. Uh, the usual score is it's like feel happy, feel bad. I mean, this was more yeah. just like sort of close, closer to horror music, I guess, but it's just trying to evoke a sense of uncomfortableness. Yeah. Mm. What did you think of? I think that the obviously the dialogue for the most part was really good, and this was based on a book, so you know, it's kind of that combination of uh, the 
the inspiration taken from the book and then the filmmaking of David Fincher. But there were a couple of uh, quotes in particular that, like, I don't think really fit right. Like, uh, if I remember right, there was this... It was one of the side detective characters who was, you know, who really believed that Nick had done it. And I think there was one moment where he where he saw the uh, all of the things that Amy had bought in the like the final clue for this treasure hunt and he's like WTF and it's just like what? Why? Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, I just <laughs> I forgot. There was that. one other line, but I can't remember. Blanked what it, was. it out of my mind. <laughs> oh, what was the other thing? I don't know. I feel like the the dialogue obviously for the most part was really good, but there's just a few cringeworthy moments. Mm. Yeah. Moments to make you go WTF. <laughs> well, why don't we talk about the fact that this is apparently a rom-com? <laughs> See, I've argue... seen this in loads of reviews that it, it says that they found it funny and I kind of, I can see like the bits of the local news reporter, I guess they were funny and some of the bits with like the lawyer, but I wasn't really thinking that when I was watching it, and I, I'm just paranoid that like I watched the film in the wrong way. Maybe we all need to rewatch it together, and then if we watch it at zero point five times speed, it will give more time for the comedy to sink in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I'd argue it's neither romance or comedy because I I think romantic <laughs> films fo- focus more on like you know romance. Whereas this was, <laughs> this was definitely like power dynamics and manipulation, and I guess also sort of a comment on mental illness. Like, the, I don't think they're the, they're a good uh, example for your marriage. And speaking of which, there's this great review on IMDb who rated it, <laughs> who rated it nine out of ten. Thought it was a a, a great movie. Unfortunately, it was, it was the final nail in the coffin for him and his wife's divorce. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't Maybe. know how, how that works logistically. Like, was he just sat there watching it with his wife and he's just like, oh, that seems familiar. Right, so I'm getting the papers tomorrow. No, maybe what happened was uh, she was sat there watching it seriously the whole time and then he was, you know, laughing because it's a hilarious <laughs> oh, film. And then yeah, she was yeah. like, what? This is not a comedy. And he was like, are you kidding me? This is clearly designed to, <laughs> to be funny. And then are you kidding me? Gaslighting? Like... That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly can't think of any... Well, never mind the jokes, just anything that made me laugh whatsoever. Oh, Not I even feel... like when he smiled at the missing persons thing when he announced they were missing. No, because I that... was like, oh, like, <laughs> that that didn't seem funny for me. That that was just Neither. like, uh, that made me sort of like crush in despair. I'm just like, don't smile. You're gonna that's gonna be taken out of context, please. <laughs> the only thing I kind of laughed at was when the uh when the lawyer was like going, I'll, I'll try to get you a, a crazy wife discount. Like, <laughs> I, I found that I found that kind of funny because it's it's mm-hmm. kind of taking the if you look at it as a whole uh, and as if you like hadn't been invested in the film so far and it was just a guy telling you this, it would be a lot to take in. So maybe that's yeah. the comedy. Maybe someone was the laughing only... so hard at that that they thought the rest of the movie was funny. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I guess you could say was kind of. I wouldn't even say it was funny, but I just liked the fact that there was that parallel between the fact that Nick was being blamed for all this, but at the same time you you were shown this complete and utter incompetence as opposed to Amy, who was like had meticulously planned everything out and I really enjoyed the um that kind of montage sequence where she's explaining that she befriended the stupid pregnant neighbour and then went to the toilet and took like a sample yeah uh, so I guess that like kind of jarring contrast between them was uh, not funny just quite hyperbolic and 
I don't know. I I feel like that was also designed to uh, build on the idea of kind of subverting the gender roles and the uh, like the treatment of the media. Yeah. Did you notice much? Like, I'm trying to think back on the cinematography, and I just can't really. The nothing stood out to me, but nothing was like um, terrible. I mean, I I definitely noticed there was some good cinematography. Um, when Amy was in the Simp's house. Um, yeah. That sort of. Oh yeah, it, that was good. It was just like really subtle, like lingering shots of like him looking at her and stuff to just sort of make him seem a bit more creepy um but apart from that i i don't think for the the main plot of the movie there was much uh to like well there might have been but i certainly didn't notice it so it was either effective <gasps> or just not i remembered what i was going to talk about <laughs> oh. okay so i was just wondering do you think that her thing of like forcing other people to change for the way that she views her like comes from uh her parents using the amazing amy character and then like improving on their actual child even if she like fails at stuff that she does because they uh. kind of like lie about what her childhood was and makes her seem better um so maybe it comes from that um. and also and bits of the film are like a statement on how privilege can increase you know uh visibility for missing persons cases because there's a, a lot more you know that loads of people go missing um every year but th you know this was the big case that was like on the news nationally and everything and it was because she was saying like i'll make them love me and uh you know parents are fairly wealthy and she's well known in the neighborhood and it's this kind of idea that of privilege making you seem more um more like an upstanding citizen even if you turn out to be terrible and manipulative and awful yeah i i quite like that um it wasn't some something the film seemed to like um directly try and suggest but i i kind of got the feeling um the more like there were the scenes with like the vigil and everyone was looking for her and stuff i'm just like she's like really they're both really like rich and privileged to have like all of these people like care there'll be so many other missing persons cases where just no one cares about them because you know they they're not like tv stars they don't look like n no one knows about them and then uh obviously there's that scene with like uh the the homeless people and like no one seemed to care about them it just that kind of hit me yeah uh how why did he spend like <laughs> how did he manage to live in the same house as her the whole time i was like oh she's gonna kill him she's gonna kill him <laughs> i would have ran as far away <laughs> as possible that that last like 20 minutes or however long it was i was so terrified <laughs> what did you think of that ending because i've i heard a review that said that they felt that it fell a bit flat after she returned home but i actually really enjoyed it i think i mean, i liked it because the whole thing was that like she that had him under really... her thumb like everything was in her name he yeah. couldn't get out and it showed how you know, e even if this relationships like this can be really terrible for people, it's difficult yeah. for them to leave. And you know, because a lot of people are like, why don't you just break up with them? Well, it's like, well, it's not, it's not that easy. And just she slowly, you know, chips away at him until he he's just kind of this useless puppet for her to do whatever she wants with. Yeah, and it's like, I I feel like the only way he could have actually got out is if he just straight up ran, like, did the same as she did earlier in the film, uh, like, changed his name, like, uh, changed his appearance and just tried to live a life of someone else. Um, 
but because like it, he couldn't he couldn't just break up with her and um and if he tried to do anything physical to her then that like media storm would just be back upon them and she'd be the amazing perfect Amy again and he wouldn't be able to defend himself it, that mm. that was kind of haunting a bit yeah I really like that the idea that when she's gone away and on the calendar she's got like the post-it note tell yourself question mark <laughs> factor and then and also obviously they do talk about uh, the he's trying to uh, you know she basically wants him to die for uh, justice um, you know which he isn't really guilty but yeah Damn, how long have we been going on about this film now? We have been going on for 41 minutes exactly. Wow, that's flown by just like the two and a half hours of the film. Isn't that crazy? It is. <laughs> okay, so um, let's, let's round it up. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, rounding up the film is How hilarious. You... <laughs> Just like the film. Yeah. How would you it was say so this? Funny. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> How would you say this compares to the uh, the other Fincher film we've done, Social Network? Oh, so much I, better. I enjoyed it way more. Yeah. Same. I, I, I remember Fincher doing thrillers is like is always gold. I feel like. I remember some does... people that say that's like his best. I remember when we did a social network, and you you thought it was like a lot better than I did, and I think Goldie did as well. Um, like because a social network was apparently like one of the the best films of the twenty tens, but I it didn't really leave an impression on me. It just kind of was there. Yeah, um, yeah. But this is a complete opposite. Like I would definitely rewatch this. Um, and like recommend it to Which people. I'd... Yeah, I mean, I'd definitely be inclined to watch some more Fincher. I've watched a, a few of, the, of his others, but I feel like with both of these, as you were saying, you know, he's a really, really the technical aspects, like the cinematography, that stand out massively like the performances were really good in both of them but i think that especially this one was more plot and character driven and the social network was very character driven as well so uh mm. be quite interesting to compare it to some of those should, other films maybe you should definitely watch seven then if you liked this <laughs> yeah um I seven will. is great um but yeah i just thought this i don't know Maybe it's just what I like. I'm just looking at other films Fincher's done. It's like Mank, not thriller. Yeah, didn't really like it. Mindhunter, the TV series, that's a thriller. That was great. Seven, I really liked. I don't Zodiac think I've is seen good. Any Fincher films apart from The Social Network? Have you seen Fight Club? Oh no, wait. I've seen yeah, Fight I've Club. Seen, I've seen Fight Club. Yeah. Quite yeah, that's David Fincher. Well. So there you go. Okay. Yeah, Fight Club was good. Let's have a look. So, rating-wise, uh, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as Marriage Story. And I'm thinking of putting it on the same kind of level as Nightcrawler, so I guess that would be a 7.7. See, I think I enjoyed it slightly more than Marriage Story. But I gave Marriage Story a 7.6 and Nightcrawler a 7.7. .7. So, I'm not going to disagree with you here. I think I'm gonna go um seven point what's what what's around the seven point eight mark? I don't know if that's a bit too generous. <laughs> I'm 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 uh, I'm double checking here. Uh the interview you gave seven point eight? Yeah, I'm gonna give it seven point eight. 
Ooh, wow, how many of you disagreed enough. with me? <laughs> point that one more. High. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. A whole point one. So, uh, I'm gonna give it an eight point two. I'm giving it an eight point <gasps> two. No way. That's crazy. Yeah, I think. Ollie, Ollie, you keep dropping three. out. I'll probably give it slightly lower, so. Yeah, yeah my wife is having some problems. <laughs> Could you just repeat what oh. you said? Like, before. I just said, uh, I probably think it's, like, I gave Room an 8.3, so. Not quite as good, but uh, about that level, so go 8.2. Groovy. Yeah, I gave it room an eight point zero. I think I'll. I think I'm above. Well, is there a submission spotlight? Guess what? what? There isn't. <gasps> I never would have guessed. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel... at least I get my rations. <laughs> yes. Well, you get you get one ration. Okay. Don't don't get ahead of yourself there. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like keeping Tom trapped in the same way that uh, Amy keeps Nick trapped in the film. He can't yeah, I'm leave. Co I'm codependent, or whatever it is called. <laughs> yeah. We have his baby. <laughs> you do. Um, so is it now time for recommendations? I was just gonna say, I feel like maybe for the submission spotlight we should like start looking for things and like actively offering people because yeah. <laughs> otherwise we're just gonna... <laughs> I, I did see something that I'll, I'll talk to you about afterwards that might possibly look good if we wanted to like approach the person. So Ooh. maybe uh, a couple episodes time because the next one's a cool episode. I have something. Yeah. So it is time for recommendations. Guess who has a recommendation? Me. Me. What? <gasps> I have one is as well. Is house? this a full house? Damn. Oh. Who's going first then? I don't know. Trick question. It's Tom. That's always. <laughs> always me. Okay. Um. So I watched. A very brilliant film which I really enjoyed. It's it's in my top, and then insert a number films. Um, I I can't. It's probably in my top like twenty. Yeah, it'll be in top twenty probably. What <laughs> is this? It's called it it's called Sideways, network? and it's lean sideways. A, no, <gasps> just sideways actually. Oh, it's. It's a comedy drama about two guys that go around wine tasting for like a bachelor party, but then they kind of have like a midlife crisis. So it's an exploration into this kind of like character's nihilistic view of the world and how he feels like he's deteriorating. But, uh, you know, then it kind of becomes more optimistic and. It's just the style is kind of, it feels organic, you know, it manages to be really funny at parts uh, and still keeps the drama and uh, they just mesh really well and it's um, kind of like soft. It's got a similar tone to the earlier seasons of Better Call Saul and, you know, montages to go with it and it's just really interesting and lots of like poignant quotes through like the use of wine. Um, about like you know reaching a peak and then slowly getting worse, or uh, about how it can taste different on uh, every like every whatever day you pick to open it, it will taste different to how you did the other day. Which I viewed as like how maybe some people consume films, and uh, it's just lots of interesting um, ideas in there and w really well written characters that you just have a fun ride with so yeah go watch sideways nice nice it's on uh disney plus at the moment 
can't say I've ever heard of it. Neither have I. I know. I, I, re- I only recommend cool films. Cool, smaller films. I think it's technically indie, maybe. But not really. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Fox Searchlight, which is like picking up new directors. Yeah. Well, mine is The Lighthouse. Um, <gasps> You've watched it? Yeah. Uh, so it's a, a more recent film uh, starring um, Robert Pattinson. Not Robert Pattinson, it's, he's got an N, which I had to go back and correct from when we did... Uh, what was the one we did? Good Time. Yeah, good Time, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a it's a cool sort of horror film, I guess. Um, and it, the it was shot on film in black and white, so it's got a cool aesthetic. But unlike Malcolm and Marie, I feel like the aesthetic actually helped it. Um, so it's about um, this new guy um, who gets assigned to help this lighthouse keeper on a um a sort of remote island and there's uh sort of I can't really give away too much without like spoiling a little bit but um there's like a little it gets very surreal and the you're not really sure what's happening at some point so I guess it's sort of a psychological horror. Um and there's some cool hallucinations in there. Um, and you can start to learn more about the characters as things sort of seem to unravel like in the first third of the movie but then it just gets more and more weird Um, so you're either going to like this a lot or like really dislike it Um, and the ending is great I think um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that was the, I did the wrong I did the wrong uh, emphasis there. A great, I think. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> great, I think. Um, but others might be a bit annoyed by it. So I, so it's um. So I feel like you should just go watch it and see what you think. Uh, it's kind of it. it Okay, here's the thing. If you've watched it and you don't know what it is, uh, it has ties to Greek mythology, and that might help you understand the ending. So, there wow, you go. okay. I've wanted to watch it for a long time, but I, even from just that recommendation, I have no idea what it's about, but <laughs> I, it's yeah, more I, intriguing. I didn't know anything about it apart from, like, my my partner recommended it to me, and it was just like um, all they just said was it's like a horror film set in a lighthouse, uh, shot on film in black and white. So that that's enough for me. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, and the other the other the only other character in it is uh, Willem Dafoe. So yeah, yeah. Green Goblin. Wait, so it's got two characters and it's shot in black and white? Yeah. It's <gasps> Malcolm it's and Marie. Malcolm and Marie, yeah. Malcolm and How do you think it compares to Malcolm and Marie? Do you think oh. you could go on a rant about it for 40 minutes like we did with that film? <laughs> I probably could, actually. 40-minute <laughs> Malcolm and Marie rant? Yeah. Yeah. So go watch it right now. If you're not watching it, then I will come and get you. You're not allowed to listen to Ollie's recommendation. You need to be watching it. <laughs> and with that, uh, Ollie, give your recommendation for the zero people listening to you because <laughs> they're all watching it. Um, my recommendation is a while ago I recommended the, the show Altered Carbon and there is a... Well, I think it... Well, it's... It's an anime. Uh, it's like a. It's only just over an hour, called Altered Carbon Resleeved. I think it came out last year. Uh, it's set in the same universe, um, and with the same main character. Because I, this isn't technically a spoiler. It's just a, a bit of information about the world that uh, all the 
so basically each person has a sleeve which is kind of interchangeable uh and then they have um like their actual consciousness and soul is stored in a chip that uh when they die as long as the chip isn't destroyed can be put in a new sleeve uh so it is actually able to use the same main character but just in a different sleeve uh and it's i mean it's it's quite similar to the show in that like the aesthetic is very similar you know it's got that strong cyberpunk feel to it and um it's, it's i think the plot i feel like with the show itself the plot wasn't always that great um because although it enabled the characters to kind of it was more of a character study and there was quite a good bit of development for them but i didn't i wasn't always fully engaged in the plot whereas this i feel like the plot was really strong i think it had some quite cool themes about like death and uh corrupt forms of power that were really quite interesting because uh well i won't give too much away but it was basically about this syndicate that uh their leader would when they in like the succession ceremony the previous leader's sleeve would be corrupted and they die including the chip uh in order to avoid um them like uh getting greedy and trying to come back and take the overpower again so uh it's quite an interesting idea that about death and i think that's very interesting in this universe where death as a concept doesn't really exist um especially for the rich because uh like it's easier for them to preserve the chip and get a new sleeve so uh yeah i think it's it's like i wouldn't say i've watched many animes or i don't even know if i've watched any but uh (laughs) i definitely really enjoyed the the art style as well so it's pretty cool Oh, I might also have another recommendation, but it goes back to <gasps> what? Well, um, so uh, we we've been re-listening to a lot of uh, uh, our older episodes for a surprise next episode, and there was something in one of them where Tom was just like, "Can you recommend season like another season of a show if like you've already recommended the show?" And uh, you. And then the answer was like, no, Ollie asked that, and Tom was like, yeah, but if they're sort of different, it's kind of that. I'm going to recommend the X-Files movie, because I've already recommended the show. Um, so the movie is set between seasons five and six, um, and I really enjoyed it. I'm kind of like in the minority for really enjoying it, I think. I think most people enjoyed it, but um, like, there is an, a 7 on IMDb, so it's not like, great. Um, I think a lot of the criticisms were it's just like a two-hour episode. Um, but like, my retort to that is like, what did you expect it to be? It's <laughs> it's the X-Files, it's set between two seasons, like, what, what were you expecting it to be? Um, just uh i just really liked it um the plot was uh was good um it, it i think the fact that it seemed to accelerate the uh the overarching plot of the first 5 seasons it like gave you a lot of answers um so it's not so much that like the next few seasons are redundant but sort of the next few ones will have a different purpose um and it just kind of felt good after kind of being like teased for the first five seasons that you finally get to understand what's sort of going on. Um, my only criticism is some of the dialogue feels a bit like clunky and artificial. Like, you know, when you know when you'll like have an um, adaption of a book on screen and it's like word for word, and some of the lines just feel like you wouldn't say that in conversation. They're like overly embellished and stuff like some of the dialogue towards the start was like that but um there was also some great stuff so 
go watch the X Files movie, but only after you've watched the X Files, uh, which is another of my recommendations. So and only after you've also watched the Lighthouse, which you should be like ten minutes into now, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depending on what time speed you're watching it. I guess uh, I actually have another quick recommendation then. Oh, uh, but... what? What is going on? <laughs> it's, I'm not going to say too much because Ben has recommended it in the past, but Ooh. following the episode we did on Haunting of Hill House, I watched Haunting of Bly Manor this week, which uh, I I didn't quite enjoy as much. I think it had a few problems, but... Uh, I guess go back and listen to Ben's recommendation if you want, or go and watch it. So, I'm so much credit to watch this wait, 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 wait. I think I've got a recommendation. What? <laughs> <laughs> Did it, have I recommended Parks and Rec yet? No. I don't think you have. Okay, well, <laughs> I, <laughs> well I finished Parks and Rec. This is like a no. record. <laughs> well, no, because I think I did five in one week. And yeah, I mean, yeah. like a record for that, me. So, this isn't. Okay. <laughs> ben, we need to but... rack our heads to. Think of another one after Tom's finished. <laughs> so yeah, Parks and Rec is really good. Uh, it's got loads of funny moments. I mean, it is a sitcom, so there you go. Uh, it really picks up after near the end of season two when like two new characters are introduced. But I don't think it seems to like peter off that badly in the way that The Office does. And the way that it keeps you hooked is just like really engaging characters. Uh, so even sometimes if an episode isn't as funny, you just want to see what happens to the characters and like how they develop and stuff so uh yeah it's really easy to watch really good so go watch parks and recreation Damn. right i've got another recommendation Quick <gasps> <laughs> uh, fire round okay uh there's been two episodes so far of um falcon and the winter soldier which is there's been three well yeah three as of today so I haven't seen episode three yet, but it's good. It's good. There you go. Just so we well, can get Well, I've seven. got another recommendation. No what? way. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you could count it as a sort of like 0.5 recommendation, given I've already recommended another version <laughs> of this before. But this is music, and this is the, the live version of Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic, which was just released mm. today when we were recording it this episode's the friday so you should be able to listen to it wherever you are uh now this is airing uh this is the the version that was performed at the grammys um and it's just i i recommend you watch the video of it as well on youtube because the performance is just like well, obviously, the the vocal performance is great from both Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars, and they both sort of bring a new element to it live, but also the the, the cinematography of the the video is just so like it's so like lovely, nostalgically seventies with like the color scheme and the fact that they're all dressed up in red like um like uh vocal groups of like the time would have been and uh they they just like it's just great it's like a really nice performance it's like how you'd have expected it to be if it was released in the 70s which is like the sort of vibe they're going for so yes go and listen to that now crazy final recommendation i, I can't I've Wait, you have one another one? Recommendation. You got another yeah. one? Oh, wow. It's to tune in next week for episode 50. <laughs> oh! <laughs> a special episode. Yeah. Yes. And um, before before we, um, before we like, leave, we'd just like to say, so we've got a Q&A section on it. Um, we haven't received many questions so far. Um, we might have to do the awful thing where we turn to family and friends and be really sad uh, <laughs> to get questions. <laughs> But like, if you got any questions, just whatever, just send them in. Um, so, like, through social media, we'll have posted on Twitter and Instagram, which are both at EOV Podcast. Reply to the post, DM us, contact us via the form on our website, entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com. Uh, just whatever you'd like, however you'd like to contact us. We'd just love to hear from you. 
And especially if you've got a submission spotlight, uh, we'd love to have that. So yeah, I, a, a forewarning, our last uh, special episode 25, which feels like just a couple weeks ago, it's been really surreal how the last 25 episodes have gone, how quickly they've gone. Um, but that, that went on for like an hour and a half rather than the traditional hour, so uh, either be prepared to listen for a longer time or listen at 1.5 times speed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, with that, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed our night 10 recommendations. <laughs> and with that, alright, see ya. Alright, see ya. Alright, see ya. <laughs>